we're calling this summer sermon series the Hope for Exiles. Uh, and today we'll be looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 25. And let me go ahead and pray for us as we get into the, into the word. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the word that is from you. You are holy, and I pray that we would be able to gain your holiness through the study of your word. Lord, let it be bread for our souls, uh, and, and let each, each one of us, including me, be convicted by your word this morning. I pray that you would use me uh, and, and fill your Holy Spirit in this place to, to bring people closer to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let me read the word of the Lord. First Peter 1. 13 through 25. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who, is, who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct, for it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverent fear during your time living as strangers. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart, Love one another constantly, because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the gospel that has proclaimed to you. This is the word of the Lord. So today we're going to talk about the outflow of a holy life. Have you ever been around people that consider themselves holy? They may have a haughtiness or an arrogance, uh, look around the room contemptuous, thinking they're, they're better than, themselves, than everyone else. They're, they're the holier-than-thou type. Maybe you've been that person. I know I, in, in the past, have have felt that way sometimes, and and that is an issue. So today, we're going to look at three commandments that Peter gives us for how to live a Christian life. And so we're going to see what the results of that uh, kind of living is. Does it lead to an arrogance and a a self-righteousness, or to something else? So before we get too far into it, I want to first 
point out that the passage begins with a therefore. Therefore, I'd like to take a moment and reflect on what Pastor Don talked about last week. He talked about living in a privileged position, following Christ on this side of heaven. We are exiles living in the knowledge of the hope of Jesus Christ, and we are citizens of heaven. It is so important that we understand this before we get into how to live as believers. We hope in the person of Jesus Christ first and his grace on our lives to be able to live the way we ought to as Christians. So how should we live in this knowledge? Here we have three commands, as I said. First, we are to command, we are given the command to hope. Second, we are commanded to be holy. And third, we are commanded to live in fear. And this is, this is tricky. We are called in all our life through this passage to live both in hope and in fear. It seems at odds with each other. Hope and fear seem to be opposites. And yet we are called to live in both. Many who come over to our house will see on our wall um, in, in our living room, it's a, a, a poster that says, may your decisions reflect your hopes and not your fears. And so what that is trying to get to is, is hope for something and take the steps to go towards that versus living in fear that you might not get it and so you don't even move forward towards it to begin with. But what is, the, what is this passage going to say about fear and how do we apply it to our lives in the midst of that hope that we have going forward? We'll get into that soon. I also want to define holiness for a moment. We throw this term around a lot in the church and even in normal secular life, if if you remember the really old Adam West Batman, you have Robin often saying, holy gravity, Batman, the, the plane is falling, or something like that, right? And so we think about holiness, and, and, and we use this term holy often, and I think oftentimes we forget what it actually means. Holiness means being set apart, but true godly holiness goes so much further than that. It means that... It is so other that we as sinful beings can't even understand it. God is so set apart that ideas laid out for us just seem weird sometimes. And that is true of this passage when it comes to fear and it comes to hope. And so we who follow him have to trust in God's holiness, God's otherness, God's set apartness. We don't have all the answers, and as sinful beings, we will never be able to fully understand the full nature of who God is. And here, God is commanding us, be holy, for I am holy. Last week, Don talked about being exiles on this earth. We are called to be holy, other, set apart for the work God has for us on this earth and in heaven to come. And what joy do we have to be invited into that, even though we can't understand it ourselves. I'm going to take a look at a, a small passage in Exodus, chapter 33, 18 through 23. 
Then Moses said, please let me see your glory. He said, I will cause, he said, being God, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim the name the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have passion on whom I will have compassion. But he added, you cannot see my face for humans cannot see me and live. The Lord said, here is a place near me. You are to stand on the rock and when my glory passes by, I will put you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away and you will see my back, but my face will not be seen. This is after God has given Moses the Ten Commandments and now Moses gets an extremely rare opportunity to behold the holiness and glory of God. And he can't even see God's face. So even when he approaches God uh, to, to see him, God says, listen, you can only handle so much. His holiness cannot be tainted by the sin of, of humanity. And so even then, in this passage, he separates himself slightly by hiding his face from Moses. So how amazing is it that we now live on this side of the cross where God is inviting us into his holiness? All right, so that was all intro. That was for free. Now we're going to get into the meat of the passage. So command one, live in holiness, live in hope. So how do we live in hope? The passage says, with your minds ready for action. And as I was researching this passage, uh, the literal translation here is girding up your loins. In ancient times, men would wear long tunics that go down to about the knees, and in order to be active and, and get ready to do physical labor, they would need to pull up their tunic and put a belt around it and, and gird up their loins. That's, that's what that means. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity with Jed to uh, take down some trees, some dead trees that were in my backyard, and uh, I girded up my loins. I wore thick boots, gloves. I had the safety chaps around my, around my jeans, and I wore eye goggles to be safe and ready for action. And so take that and think about how you do that with your mind. How do you gird up your, your mental capacity? We focus, and we focus with sober minds, the passage tells us. Now, sober often goes with terms like alcohol addiction or, or drug addiction, different things like that, but it, it can go and be so much more than that. Really, in this context, it has to do with any distraction that causes us to be fuzzy and causes us to not focus on that hope. I enjoy games and puzzles, and I enjoy the daily wordle. Maybe a lot of you do as well, uh, but it's easy to have that be the first thing I reach for in the morning instead of my Bible. I want to get it done because I want to go to the office where we have a, a board and all of us write down what our score is for that day and we compare each other. So I want to get that done so that, so that I have you know, something to bring to the office. But have I replaced the wordle with my time with God? 
Simple things like that. Entertainment, your job, your kids, your wife or husband, your singleness and your longing to be in a relationship, your school, fill in the blank. All of these things can be can make your mind fuzzy and distract you from the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So these things, I want to reiterate, these are not inherently bad or evil, but they dull our spirits if they detract from the, the glory of God and the hope that we have in him. Instead of trying to prioritize our lives, maybe all of those things should first orbit around who God is. Instead of focusing and slowly letting my life orbit around a daily game of Wordle, I should let that stuff orbit around who God is and maybe let that be a connecting point with my unbelieving friends. So let's prepare our minds and sharpen them to focus on on what? On hope. Hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is talking about end time stuff when Jesus comes back and he restores everything and he makes everything right. At the end time, he will come back and he will forgive all of our sins and apply grace to all the areas where we've messed up. So let us rest there and focus first on the fact that we cannot do this alone. And we will require grace when he comes back. So when it comes to holy living, it's not easy. And we are going to mess it up. But we have hope in Jesus Christ when he returns. Does that get you excited? We are citizens of heaven. And we will get to return to that soon. So when you are having a hard day, and feeling just the, the burden and the sin and the, the shame of being on earth, having things done to you, doing things to others, and that, that guilt, know that you have a Savior in Jesus Christ. And he will forgive you, and he will draw you back. That is the glorification of his coming back, and he will restore everything. Live in holiness, or live in hope. The next command, and I'm going to skip ahead to verse 17, live in fear. Some Bible translations will call this live in reverence. Some call it, uh, many say live in fear. Verse 17 says, if you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in fear during your time living as strangers. If we look at this passage, we see that the Father in heaven is a judge. And so if I think about a court case and you're in the courtroom, who has supreme authority in that courtroom? The judge sitting on the stand. If anyone comes out of line, the judge can toss them out. The judge has the ability to toss out evidence if it doesn't seem like it's, it's appropriate for the case. The judge can uh, quiet and overrule the objections of both the prosecution and the defendant. They have ultimate authority. 
and you'd be jailed if you were found contempt of court. What does that mean? Contempt literally means thinking you are better than the judge themselves. And how often do we, even as believers, think ourselves better than the God of the universe who judges everything? We should not think of this fear as a shrinking back from God. It even says appeal to the Father. If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially, this is a kind of fear that should bring us back to God, and he invites us to be fearfully reverent and respectful, but to come to him. Like a judge in a courtroom, he has infinite power to judge the works we do for the kingdom. If the judge thinks someone is getting out of line, they can stop them from speaking. Praise God that, G- that Peter describes the judge of the universe as a father. We can come to him. So here, as we continue through the passage, we see in verse 18 through 21, we have a blessing on us that comes out of this fear as we appeal to the Father. For you know, verse 18, that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. As Don said last week, we live in a privileged position. We live on this side of the cross that at such a time as this in history, we live in a world that has seen the Savior come, died and is resurrected. We are redeemed not with perishable things, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Blood which gives life and the blood of Christ who conquered death. It is permanent and will always be there for us. Through through his permanent and perishable blood that he poured out on us through his death, we have been raised to new life ourselves. And because of this, we can appeal to the Father and come to him through reverent fear and say, I am a sinner and I put my hope in Jesus and I know you could strike me down, but I want to do good work for you because I want to be in your kingdom. I want to be a citizen of yours and work for you. And so live in reverent fear of the God of the universe. So, What does that mean then? In the middle here, we have a call to be holy. So then, children of God, be obedient. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. How do we know how to be obedient? When we're unbelievers, we have no way of knowing. That's our former ignorance. But as believers, we now have the full instructions right in front of our, our, our faces and inside our hearts. 
God has given us the Holy Bible, his word, given to us on paper so that we can see who God is and how to live. And he's also blessed us with his Holy Spirit to guide us through this life. That Holy Spirit helps us interpret and see how the Bible can apply to our daily situations. So before we were adopted as his children, we couldn't understand these things. We lived in ignorance. We had no idea how to live, and we were just trying to figure this life out as best as we could. But now we are his children, and he who is holy, who we should put all our hope in, and should fear out of respect for the power and authority that he has, he who is other and completely incomprehensible to us, has commanded us to be holy because he is holy. Holiness, true godly holiness, cannot be contaminated. God is beyond corruption, and he wants us to come to him in holiness. And we have a Savior that has given us his holiness, Jesus Christ. He has taken off our yucky, nasty, stained clothing and has replaced it with his pure, white, perfect holiness for us to approach God and to see his face. So, with these three commands, what is the outflow of a holy life? Is it to be arrogant? Is it to be contemptuous, perfect, separating ourselves from the world around us? The outflow of a holy life is love. Verse 22 to the end of the passage. Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other, from a pure heart, love one another constantly because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God for all flesh is like grass and all all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. So, out of a living in hope of the grace to come, knowing that Jesus Christ will forgive our sins, God will forgive our sins because of our hope that we have in Jesus, And we live in respectful and reverent fear of God and for God, and we live in holiness out of the purity of our hearts. We love one another. So much of the world today that we see in in secularism says, I need someone to love me, but I don't want anyone to challenge who I am or what I stand for or how I live. I want to just take your love, but I have no reason to love you in return. And what happens if everyone in the community acts like that? Well, suddenly nobody's getting any love. In a relationship, if, if a guy and a girl want to be part of that relationship, if, if 
the guy can't love her where she's at and she can't love him where he's at, that relationship is not going to work. We need to love one another first. And let me be clear, it's not an exchange. The, the term gift exchange gets thrown out every single Christmas, but, but let me tell you what a true gift is. A true gift is giving something to someone else with no expectation of something in return and no expectation of how they even use that gift. It is a gift for them to do what they will with it. And we are called to give love in this way to others. And that may mean giving love out of a deficit in ourselves. But we who, again, hope first in Jesus Christ and fear God and live in holiness have a, a deep and abundant and everlasting well to draw from when we give that kind of love to others. We act like citizens of heaven, putting our hope in his grace to come, fearing God of the universe, and we work towards living in holiness. And out of this purity comes true love for one another. See, when everyone flips the script and says, how can I love you? Even though that might not be the way we want to be loved ourselves, that means all of us get fed with love. And all of us can grow. And the truth of who Jesus is and what he did for us on the, the cross, this is not our own strength. Our own strength is just like flesh, uh, is, is flesh like grass that withers away. As beautiful as flowers are, I should know, we have tons of flowers in our backyard. Um, these flowers wither away. After you cut them, they fade after a week, and even the best of them, even if you don't cut them, will fade after just a, a couple of months. So as, as beautiful as flowers are, they, they fade and wither, and so too do we when we don't love out of the purity of heart that we get from these three commands. So love one another out of the truth that we, while still undeserving sinners, were loved by God enough for him to sacrifice his own son on the cross so that we might live with him eternally. If you are not a believer today, this hope can be yours as well if you want it. This sustainable love for you, for one another, that comes from the outflow of a holy, gracious, reverently fearful God can be yours. Let me pray for us this morning. Lord, as citizens of heaven, we long to live like it. We long to live in a hope of your return, that you will restore everything to what you truly have for us. And we come to you and appeal to you as our Father in heaven who judges everyone. We, we appeal to you in fearful reverence of that position that you have to command us how you will and to choose us how you will, Lord. We come to you in that way. And we, 
we love you and we long to, to partake in your holiness and to live holy. So let us be obedient to you and let us out of all of that love one another as you loved us and gave your son to die for us. In Jesus' name, amen.